The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from the Sex Dungeon in Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone. Welcome to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends, good, good, dear friends over at 24-7 Comedy. Uh, make sure you go to 247comedy.com. You can check out their uh, streaming uh, stand-up comedy. You can also listen to them on the number of AMFM affiliates. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's happening? Guten Tag, Sean. Guten Tag, indeed. Now, wait, what language is that? German. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, my mom, uh, my grandma was German. I guess I'm partially German, and she would speak German to us occasionally. Muck Schnell, I knew, which is like, hurry up. Yeah, my dad is German, too, and he uses words like that, too. Now, you um, you alluded to Sex Dungeon. Now, that was a callback to a joke off the pod or off air. I was joking around saying right. that this is my bedroom, and I also say my sex area. I wasn't going to say dungeon because that, that seemed like – derogatory and we have a female guest so i didn't want to start off (laughs) a lot of people online a lot of comics get accused of misogyny don't want it don't want that uh don't want that brand like to welcome on i I just want to say i brought it up because there's condoms on display sure (laughs) now i'm gonna have to hear now my now i'm gonna get a text when my mom listens to this podcast yeah that's why i stumbled on that i was like oh wait maybe i shouldn't say that that's all right she realizes i'm a grown man (laughs) and uh We'd like to welcome on a woman to the program, Miss Barbara Gray. Barbara, thanks for coming on. Hello. Yes, I am a woman. Yeah. How's that working out for you? Feels great. Um, glad to be the first one here in your sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've just had a long line of uh, homosexual lovers, and I thought it would be great to bring on a platonic friend to have on yeah, the podcast. That's good. I mean, every sex dungeon should have beige walls. <laughs> and an American flag. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, this is not... Yeah, I mean, there's like a hand weight sitting over there. There's a <laughs> you, you could use that for something. Exactly, an antifungal cream, but that's for the dog, and uh, <laughs> it actually is for the dog. He had a weird thing on his neck. Uh, it's not that, it's not that exciting a podcast. But how you doing, Barbara? Thanks for coming on the show. You were just, uh, we just did a stand-up comedy show last night. You it was did a, your uh, birthday show. It was awesome. Yes, it was a, uh, it was a birthday show slash. Stand up comedy show. I decided to mix things up for my birthday and um, get drunk and do stand up comedy. So, yeah, it was rare, a rare departure turn. for me. <laughs> I was talking about this last night on stage. It wasn't actually my birthday. My birthday is actually coming up. It's on a Wednesday, seven eleven. And I would say everyone, everyone has a well. Everyone kept saying happy birthday, and then I felt the need, I felt almost guilty getting a free happy birthday when it wasn't my birthday. But then I was like, well, I'm probably not going to see these people on my actual birthday. I should just accept these free happy birthdays. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, you know, my birthday's actually Wednesday. And then there's always a moment of like, oh, well, then I guess happy birthday. Like people I take are it th- back. Yeah. yeah, people are thrown off by it, or you get the person who wants to give you the speech about, well, I only celebrate my birthday on my actual birthday. I don't understand that idea of like what worst case scenario you have another fun night of people being nice to you it's it's not like i'm throwing a parade for myself i'm just it's just basically uh, to me a birthday is basically an excuse to get drunk and hang out who knew that was such a conversation speech or piece i mean (laughs) i have so many conversation speeches um (laughs) yeah that is weird i don't know i think it's like one of those things where you shouldn't say it. You shouldn't tell them, though. I mean, I guess you can say the no, right I, day. No, I stopped I stopped telling people halfway through the night. Yeah, because it's like when someone, like, gives you a compliment and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, and you diffuse it. It's like, just let them say it and then move on. Yeah, or know. if someone's like, oh, hey, have you lost weight? Actually, uh, no, I've actually put on a little yeah, weight. Yeah, you just say, all right. Yes, <laughs> just, yeah, thank you, soak bye. up the compliment and move right. on. It's not yeah. that difficult. All right, Barbara. So let's see. You were born originally in Utah? No, I was actually born in Palm Springs. Uh, oh, wow. Here, but I mean, I was raised in Salt Lake City, so I count that more than anything else. Okay, so you're born in Palm Springs. You move early on, Salt yeah. Lake area. Now, what did uh, what your parents do? 
Uh, my dad's a lawyer, and my mom is an artist. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, like artists. a re- uh, what kind of artist? Um, she does like watercolor and oil painting and stuff like that. So, so kind she of, kind of a Dharma and Greg situation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definite. Actually, my mom. Is, now this would be uh, great. Is your is your dad the free spirit, and your mom's like a real uptight hard ass? No, they're both. My mom's definitely more of the uptight. Well, I don't know. They're both kind of you know open. Like they were definitely hippies growing up for sure. So. I think my dad just became a lawyer because it was like made the most sense as far as money went. So yeah, it's a stable career. Yeah, that was. He actually told me recently that he wanted to be a comedian, and I had no idea. And like they were gonna have a family, so my mom was like, "Fuck no, you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a comedian." So. Did you follow up at all more with that? Did you ask your dad? Like- I kind of was like, I felt I don't know, sort of. Yeah, I asked. He actually sent me a joke recently, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I think he wants me to start. Using his stuff, which I'm like, well, if it's good, I'll you know try. But I'm not. It's a little weird. What's the what was the joke he sent you? It was something like he saw a um, what did he he saw a Romney sticker on a Prius, and it was something about that. And I was like, yeah, that's not a bad. You could use that for a premise, but I don't do anything about politics, so right. you know, that could be rough for me. Yeah, I think it was all. It, it was like I don't know anything about cars. Started. I was like, well, I can use that. So I don't know. But. <laughs> It's a yeah. good start there. Yeah. So okay, that's um. Now, why they why Salt Lake in particular? Um, well, we lived in Sacramento. We moved from was Palm Springs, Sacramento, and then Salt Lake. And um, I don't want to get into too much detail, but a family member liked drugs, and Sacramento had a lot of them. So we went somewhere else. That didn't, oh, okay. Like where Mormons live. <laughs> um, not one of my parents. Oh, great. Now I shouldn't have said anything about that. No, <laughs> just that uh, we just moved there because it was you know. Better to raise a family, basically. Okay. Than than grow Sacramento. Yeah, I've never I've never actually spent any time in Sacramento. It seems like I don't know. I guess similar to San Jose, but you're saying there was a lot of like white trash elements. Yeah, going it was on. just like it was just kind of a gross. I don't know. I mean, I don't remember much of it, obviously, but it's definitely not the ideal place for. for so you, kids. you you set up shop in Salt Lake City. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I was actually born in Ogden, Utah. Oh, yeah, really? True story. Yeah. Lived there for like two- blood brothers. Yeah, exactly. We're probably related somehow. <laughs> I lived there for two years before. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, so we lived oh. there. I was born on the Air Force Base in a hospital on the Air Force Base, and then we uh, moved to upstate New York. But now, how was? Uh, how was the growing up experience in Salt Lake? I mean, everyone has this idea of, hey, it's filled with Mormons. Everyone's super uptight. It's, um, well, it's interesting because I'm not Mormon and my parents weren't super religious, so I wasn't really anything. But, uh, it makes a very different environment for growing up. For me, it was fine because I was like a theater nerd and I didn't really, I wasn't really trying to be a badass or something. So I was just like, cool, these people are nice. I don't really care. Um, they create like a really, great environment they're really clean and they, they are very friendly even if it's kind of fake you know mm-hmm. but they do really believe in family obviously because they have ten thousand kids and um it's interesting because like in high school the popular kids were mormon they weren't like badass <laughs> kids who got drunk they like, were oh my god do you know how many rosaries greg did yeah, friday exactly, night <laughs> exactly like he is so good at getting giving the you know his testament or whatever that's <laughs> <laughs> that was like the like the most popular guy. Actually, um, the like uh, quarterback and head of the head of like the school council and all that. He was like this great Mormon dude, and he told me he wanted to speak to me on our last day of high school. And I was like, oh, I was like really excited because I thought he was gonna like profess his love to me. And he came over and gave me a book of Mormon. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that is funny even in salt lake they're still trying to convert people oh yeah they, they are they say that's like the hardest assignment if you get like your mission there it's like well obviously people want to they know where to go you know yeah they I, it's I yeah. by the way that he waited to the last day like it was this real isn't dramatic political. i i yeah. genuinely want to <laughs> it was like a real like a real like teen movie moment and then i was just like oh um, now how were you you said you were a theater nerd yeah so okay now, how was uh, how was the guy situation? Do you have do you have boyfriends in high school? Oh, I mean, yeah, I've been I've been dating every guy in the vicinity since junior high. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was you know it was all like much more innocent, obviously. Like it was sure. not a lot of like boning or anything. I remember- Hardcore graphic <laughs> yeah. sex didn't go yeah. on a lot. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it was you know just a lot of it was like any like group of people. Everyone knows each other, so everyone like goes out with everyone else and all that stuff. I kinda had a like few kind of like the comedy scene. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. I I did have my most serious high school boyfriend was like a Hasidic Jew 
Oh, bad boy. It Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh I definitely went a little you know, I went for the ethnic <laughs> flavor of Salt Lake City, I guess. That's funny. Okay, yeah. so now what's the uh high school in Salt Lake? Stuff's going well. Or, or was it going yeah, did, mean, were you you were like a happy kid, well adjusted? I I did everything. I was, you know, I did theater. I was in like school council all that crap. So I did everything. Yeah. Now what was the what was the plan? What was your game plan after graduating high school? Obviously you seem like a college person. You seem like Yeah, you went I to went college. to I went to the University of Utah. I didn't really want to I didn't know what the hell to do, so I so I just moved to the dorms which were like literally a mile away from where I already lived. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So I moved there with my best friend and we just I don't know, I went there and I studied theater for a year and then I was like I need a degree in something more tangible. So, which was not that much, but I did film studies, or at least like you learn equipment or something. You're not just like, right, there's at least some. You're not like breathing in and out for four years, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, I, w- I did that. I-, I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker, like I want to make movies, and I sort of did that in college, and then, uh, that's why I ended up out here. It was just like, all right, I want to work in production or something. Now, so. were the, were the films funny? I mean, were yeah, you kind of... Yeah, they usually ended up being comedies that I made. Like, I made a short documentary about people who collect dolls, and that was definitely, like, funny, you know. And uh, all the other ones were, yeah, usually comedy stuff. Okay, so now, after you graduate college, did you move to L.A. right away? No, I hung out for a few years, just kind of trying to figure out what I want to do. I thought I was going to move to New York, and um, then it just was like, L.A. just seemed a lot more feasible. You know, I could drive there, it's closer to home and cheaper, so... I ended up coming out here in 2008, um, so I guess like two years after I graduated or something. Now, did you start stand-up comedy before you came out here? No, I did it once. I don't really count it. You know, I did it once in Salt Lake, and like that was it. And uh, yeah, I didn't... (laughs) I don't really... (laughs) I don't remember any of that. I remember I had a joke about shaving an anchor into my pubic hair. That's all. That's still a strong premise. Yeah, I haven't really changed much since then. I remember one of the first bits I did. I I actually did the same exact thing. I did one open mic in uh, Philadelphia before I moved out here. And I remember one of the uh, bits I did was I told a story. It was about my dad. And the story was about how – randomly on like father's day my we were at like a barbecue hanging out and um my dad went to go sit down at a chair and i thought like oh this is a great time to be like hilarious prankster and i pulled it out right from underneath him he slammed his ass on this like brick patio just a beer in hand it just went everywhere he's like soaking wet he just get in the effing car like he just flipped out and my mom is like biting her tongue uh trying not to laugh and i just remember my dad was just so we left immediately dad was like driving really fast coming home <laughs> <laughs> we stopped to get gas and i remember he popped the trunk instead of the gas thing and i was still giving him crap and i was just, like in hindsight it was just kind of a dick move and there was no reason to do it but i i just thought it was i don't know for some reason it just overcame me and i i had to go for it but i remember that was one of the that was one of the bits i did one of my early other bits was um Making fun of the milk advertisements. Like, oh, why do you got to advertise milk? What's next? Advertising rice in China? Like, got (laughs) milk? I I remember it was like, got milk? Probably. If not, I can just go to the store and buy some. Like, like it was hilariously cheap. Yeah, I mean, it is is kind of stupid that milk advertises. I feel like... It's a good premise. I mean, yeah. you had the idea, right? I'm right. sure there is a guy doing that joke right now at the comedy store, probably. Exactly. He's stealing my act. Yeah. So when did the urge to perform stand-up comedy? Um, I, I started becoming, like, really obsessed with comedy in college. And uh, uh, I, I would read, like, online. I, w- I would go to a special thing, like the nerdy, you know, comedy forum. And I would read, like, all the listings of shows that were going on in L.A. And I was just like, oh, my God, I want to, like, be there seeing all these amazing people for free every night, you know. So um, that was kind of, like, the initial, like, burning. Oh, God, for it. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's all right, Barbara. You can talk about your passion. We're in the sex dungeon. Yeah, we yeah. We can talk like this. Um, so that was like the, you know, and I mean, my, you know, my family was funny and my dad was really funny growing up and stuff like that. We listened to Bill Cosby and road trips and stuff like that. Um, so I started getting really into it. And then when I came out, I just went to shows all the time. As soon as I moved out here, I was going to shows every day, you know, and I enrolled at UCB Improv and all that. Um, and then I, 
I didn't do open. I was really scared. I went to open mics like and just watched a lot of them because I was like terrified. <laughs> that is always that is always weird because you can tell like there's usually. A handful of like quasi normal people at open mics that don't go up, and you. I just want to go up to him. Like, listen, I, I know you probably want to go up. Just sign up. It's not going to get easy. You think like, okay, I'll just watch a few more, and then I'll figure out what to do, and then I'll do it. Yeah, it's best just to jump in. Right. And, like I um, I started doing being beer girl at Twelve Shiny Nickels. Like, okay. Yeah, that's a local show around here. Yeah, and when it was at like Gross Dungeon or Basement, whatever, um, <laughs> in West Hollywood, and uh. And Dan was, like, really encouraging Dan by, like, who ran it was just, like, you need to start now. Like, there's no, don't waste any more time. He was, like, don't, like, wait until you find a boyfriend and you don't do it or whatever, <laughs> of course. And then he would mention my tits ten times. And um he, uh I don't know, he kind of encouraged me. And then Zach Ames and John Darnell, who were, like, helping him run the show, started an open mic. And then I finally was, like, all right. Finally pop your cherry, start yeah. going on stage. Yes. And, uh Yeah. Now, who was, uh, like, early on, who did you look up to comedically? Who were some of your favorites? Like, what um, it, what kind of uh, what kind of inspired you creatively, comedy-wise? Uh, the biggest, like, comedy thing I ever got, like, obsessed with was Strangers with Candy. That was, like, a show that I came across when I was in college. I was just like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's very bizarre. So yeah, hilarious. I love that show in college. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. And I got into a lot of character type stuff like that. Like, I really got into British comedy, um... I mean, I, I, I like stand-up, but, like, TV, comedy TV is kind of, like, my passion, so I got more into that than anything. But, you know, I mean, I love Patton Oswalt, haha, <laughs> and, uh... Okay, Patton, now you're joking. You said, I <laughs> yeah. love Patton Oswalt, haha. <laughs> of course you are talking about the now infamous <laughs> incident online where... I'm, like, blushing. Um... Basically, you saw Patton Oswalt kind of being a dick at a show, and then you blogged about it, and then he reacted. It sounded like there were some exchanges going back and forth. I mean, you can probably explain it yeah, better than I, mean, I can. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I saw him you know, do something I didn't like, and I blogged about it, and he... Yeah, what exactly? If people uh, hadn't read the thing. Um, the girl was filming him, and he asked her to stop, and they had kind of a weird exchange. I thought he was way more of a dick than he needed to be. He, her and her friends left, and they kind of talked some shit about her looks after she left, and I was like really appalled. So, I wrote something about it. I when I woke up the I was like when I woke up the next day I was still angry, and I was just like, well, I'm gonna write this, and you know. Oh, so wait, you wrote the next day after that? Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, I wrote it, and he reblogged it, and uh, I don't know that. I mean, that was it between us, but you know, ten thousand of his fans. <laughs> Hated me for a very long time, and uh, so you were getting a lot of shit. Cause oh yeah, tons. Like Andy Richter was like all up in, in my face, and uh, some other guys. I don't know. Somebody was like, "Your career's over," and I was just like, "Cool, I don't really have one anyway." So, so did now? Did he send you? I know he blogged about it, and his his angle is that. Hey, I'm just sick of people filming, right. and I had asked her to That's stop. That's what he talked about. He went into all these past incidents of people filming him and all that stuff. Uh, and he was like, you didn't see what I saw and all this, you know. And she actually messaged me like a week later after she found out about it, which was interesting. And um, and what did, what was her take, well, the she, woman who got yelled said, at? What did he say? Oh, she, he said that she mouthed to her friends like the word asshole or something. And she was like, I'm surprised you could read my lips so well, because all I said to my friends was, do you want to go? And I was like, ooh, okay. But I'm like, I'm not going to... At that point, I was just, like, terrified, and I was like, I'm not going to post anything. I actually <laughs> put, I put the post on private, because I was just like, I don't want this around anymore. I got sick of it, so... Now, uh -oh. did, do you regret doing it? In hindsight, are you like, I uh, wish I wouldn't have done that? It's a big question. Yes, mostly. I mean, I'm I'm glad I, like... Said, you know, I'm glad I stood up for something I believed in because I really did. I'm not, I don't get my panties in a bunch over like a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So if I do, it's, I would like to think it's genuine, you know, it's good for a good reason. Um, but you know, I, I kind of had tunnel vision, obviously, for like that one moment and maybe it didn't need to be magnified. Like right. That. Uh, and I still, it was hard because I, you know, I still res like respect him a lot and I still like his comedy. So I don't know. It was definitely, I'm not sure. I, I'm not really sure where I stand on it now. So I mean, I read it, and you you start you kind of prefaced it with you know I really respect Patton Oswalt. I've, I was always been a big fan and all that, but yeah, this, uh, it was just, just like I just far. didn't like this. Um, yeah, it was very it was a huge lesson as far I learned a lot. I'll say that from mm -hmm. like 
you know, just how crazy like something viral can go. Like his site went down because of it. Really? Yeah, his website went down because everyone was going to read his reply. <laughs> Comedy beef. So it was just like one weekend of like insanity where I was just like, what is going on? So um it was really interesting. And like I still haven't seen him in person since it happened and I'm interested to see how awkward that interaction is. Yeah, you guys should do a show together or something. Oh yeah. A lot of <laughs> I'm people, sure he's dying to do a show. Yeah, I'm sure he you know I didn't mean that insulting to you, but he probably is just like, like who he gives cares a shit at all, God, yeah. He um no, a few people were like, Yeah, you should see if he'll do a sketch with you about it and I was like, Yeah, let me <laughs> Let me ask him if I can, you know. Yeah, hey, uh, well, I just took a shit on you publicly. Yeah. Mind if I uh, ask you to do a favor? And that's the thing. A lot of people said it was so I would get good. They were like, oh, she want, she's doing this for, you know, to get, like, popular or whatever. And I was just like, why would I do that? That's the stupidest idea ever, you know, just shit on this guy. Right. So I mean, fans. yeah, it's one of these things you basically, you kind of, you got pissed off. You saw a celebrity kind of being a dickhead. And you know, part of comedy or just anything in general is calling out stuff that you think's bullshit. So you did that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in, I mean, first off, uh, as far as Patton Oswald, you gotta realize, like, I understand it's probably frustrating, but you also, it's one of those things too. It's like when Lars complained about people downloading, um, you know, MP3s and stuff. You totally do have a point, but you also have to realize that no one gives a shit and that the person is trying to do something nice. They're, they're a super fan. And yeah, if you want to treat them like a dick, that fine. That's your own thing. But you realize that she has no idea that she's doing a bad thing. She has no idea that you dealt with all these other previous incidents. She yeah. has no idea what it's like to develop a comedy act and then it, to go through that whole, yeah, that whole process. Going through all the past stuff, which I was like, I get it, but like, yeah, exactly. She didn't know about that. When she wrote me, she was like, I had no idea you're not supposed to film this stuff. You know, I, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So. Right. I mean, yeah, obviously, I don't know. If I was Patton Oswald, I would, I just would have responded by saying, yeah, you know, it happens to me all the time. I overreacted. I got super pissed at her and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he didn't. I think he definitely took it to another level. You know, I think he has a defense mechanism for sure. So he's a little, he's a little baby too. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just kind of, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little just like, he's a little whiny baby. And I, I don't, I mean, that's his, that's his thing. I don't know. That's his personality. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it was interesting. And, you know, I, I definitely don't want like, obviously it's weird to say it now. Cause like when I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, I brought, obviously I brought it up myself here, but you know, I was also scared. It's like, oh, you don't want to be known as that person. But right. obviously, if well, you my, and, for that, it wouldn't get anywhere. I even said, I thought that, and uh, I mean, my, my take on it was that, I mean, I think it's cool that you called him out. Or I mean, I think it's cool that you, you were pissed off about something and reacted to it. My thing was that, you know, Je I, I guess I just, I sympathize with Patton in some sense of like, I say, I know I say stuff or do crazy shit at shows or probably, like, you know, I mean, I, I've i said some awful things to people in the audience and to think that uh, someone would go, you know, go out of their way to throw yeah. it out there. But, hey, I, I you know, you realize you're a public well, it's, figure. it's both ends of the scale because it's like you have to realize that anything you say can be, you know, yeah, can be thrown back in your face. But also, like, you're right. And like I said, it shouldn't. Like, there's so many moments like that, I don't know what should be well, called that. Yeah, and it's one of those things. My thing was just, like, comic on comic. Maybe keep it in the locker room. The idea being that, hey, let's just talk shit about him in person. Right? And, I mean, basically, it's like airing it for everyone. I don't know. That, that was it my is, only that thing. That is a gray area. A lot of people were talking about that. It's like, oh, is it cool for another comic to say that? And I'm like, well, like you said, too, it's like, well, it's our thing to, like, call shit out when we see it. Right, too. right. So it is so, weird. And, uh, Soon after that, there was a thing with T.J. Miller and Dane Yeah, Clay. that happened, like, yes. two like a week later. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, are you kidding me? I can't <laughs> Which was great, though, because it was kind Took of like, well, off, everyone right? loves T.J. So, Took like, the they, heat off you. Oh, it did, yeah. Well, well yeah, I guess T.J. Miller went saw Dane Cook's act and then started saying – started blogging about how he's a misogynist and all this other stuff. I don't know. I always side with the guy who's just going up there trying to make people laugh. I mean I'm not a huge Dane Cook fan by any means, but Dane Cook, I think he lost like his parents, his, his a brother took all his money from him. He didn't do stand-up for a year and then he's going on stage. It sounded like he just had a bad breakup. He's probably – he's probably venting. I mean the, the thing is I just – I think he was he's, also doing he's in the same way. I mean, I also defended um, uh, Kramer at the Laugh Factory. Like, yeah. I think, 
I think these people, they're not, they're not evil people. Yeah, you say crazy shit. That's part of being a comedian. You're yeah, testing the boundaries. There's a whole question right now that's like coming up, it's coming up every week now, I feel like, with that whole like Colin Kane thing that happened last week. Did you yes. see that? Like, with it's just like, well, what's it, like, who do we get on for what they're saying? Like, are we allowed to do that at all? Because it's all free speech or whatever, but. It, they are comics, and, like, that's their job, or, you know, that's what they're doing. They're getting up there and, like, saying the stuff that maybe you're not supposed to say, but that's what our job is. So right. They're putting themselves they, out Well, I, I mean, uh, to me, talking about stuff and saying stuff in, a, in an attempt, in a performance area for to elicit laughter is, is much different. And I think if you call someone a racist... Um, if you say they're a misogynist or something, like, I, in my mind, I'd like to have those words associated with people who are acting on it. Like, someone who's actually, but, you know, I guess they could say by cracking wise, but in my mind, this is all under the guise of, like, you're trying to make people laugh. You're trying to do something positive. I mean, Chris Rock on the 4th of July, Chris Rock sent out a tweet saying, happy white people, Independence Day, uh, the slaves weren't free, but I'm sure they love the fireworks. Funny joke, Hilarious. poignant. Yes, and he got tons of shit. Yeah, and, and- it's like, that's insane. Why? That drives me crazy. I mean, I think that everything like that with Twitter and people having so much access to, like, speaking out now, it's just going to get more well, and more. It, 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 I was reading this ABC or whatever, whatever, like, credible news source, and they were quoting uh, Ro- Chris Rock's followers as, to, like, what they were responding to. That's all to. news is now. It's, like, half of Twitter. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like the majority of people on TV doing news are either encouraging you to follow them on some social media network yeah. or re- or reporting on stories about different celebrity tweets. Yeah. That's the majority of the news. It's just crazy. Like, I feel like television now has just become a platform to promote your internet presence. Like, it, it's it's bizarre. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, eventually it's going to be the same thing, pretty much. Well, right. I think eventually the internet's just going to take over everything as yeah. far as, like, the media. That, I mean, because it makes sense. Why would we... Why would we pay all this money to have a satellite beam the signal over here and then run it through this hard cable when you can get everything wirelessly through the internet? It, it just sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all coming together. And then God will come down upon us and reign <laughs> his terror, and only the true ones will survive. And I think... Oh, wow, so that popular guy got to you, huh? Exactly. <laughs> now, as a comedy nerd, I kind of just enjoy the discussion. I don't even... Just the fact that Chris Rock, for instance, brought on that discussion and some people were outraged and then... Why is it... I like it. But it's the discussion that's I mean, happening I don't every think... week. It, like, that's what drives me nuts about it. It's just people saying the same stuff over and over. Yes. Yeah. I guess we're doing now, too. Right. But we're not arguing about <laughs> it. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, it just gets old. It's the same. It's like, well, I don't... This is the only thing I'll say. It's like the women in comedy thing where I'm just like, I don't even want to talk about it. Because there's no point. Okay, you know? so cross that off yeah. as a topic. Yeah, Women was that on there? No, no, no. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Women in comedy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you guys have me here because I you don't think I'm funny. Right. Well, that was the yeah. same thing. It's here to prove it. And I already, already covered this a lot when the Adam yeah, Carolla sure. thing came out. Yeah. That... He, you know, he made a joke. He was he was shitting on bad female comics, and his overall joke was saying women aren't funny. In his defense, now here here's an interesting question because I had, I had posted kind of defending him, saying, but he hired women to be on his show for years on it, blah blah blah, and then uh, someone was like, give me crap, and I and I was just like, well, there are a I, I kept saying it's a number game. There's more. There's a higher chance that a guy is going to be a funny comedian than a woman because there are more guy comedians. It's a numbers thing. Now, what do you think it is? And I said to her, I was like, at least admit that there are more men are more interested in performing comedy or doing comedy. She wouldn't concede that point. So I was like, I felt like you kind of lost the argument there, or at least I, I mean, think for my- you're going to have a hard time getting anybody to be really, <laughs> you know, to be. Now, what do you think? Level-headed about any of that. Now, what do you think about why do you think there's so many more guys in comedy? Um, like as a woman, why do you think? I don't think about it. To get the chicks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Gotta make them I mean, I don't know. I've never. I don't know. Okay. I don't want to. I really don't. <laughs> End want to. of that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Check that one off the list. No, I, I was just. I was just. Uh, I mean, from a more- this is what I say. Apparently, uh, as far as evolution goes. Men evolved with 
a sense of, this is what I've heard or whatever. Men evolved with a sense of humor because they had to impress women mm-hmm. for sex. And yes. women didn't have to develop it because they had tits and, you know, vagina. So they didn't have to develop that to attract men because they already attracted them naturally. And to me, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense that our brains would have developed that way. And I think that makes sense why, you know, more men did comedy originally. And now it's evening out more because everything's evening out more. So... I don't know. Maybe that's why. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's one of the things that women say they're attracted to in a guy. I mean, traditionally, everyone says, yeah, what are you attracted to? Guys, it's looks, and women say a sense of humor. So yeah. it makes sense that guys would go out of their way to develop that. Yeah, I think they had to because, you know, how many comedians <laughs> are super attractive? Barely. Besides <laughs> me, yes. Yeah, besides <laughs> Sean Green. Obviously. Super attractive. Yeah, in the same way that super attractive people aren't normally comedians, you right. didn't have to do that. You're super attractive. Yeah, you didn't have to develop that skill to attract people or to like get people to accept you. So it makes sense. You know? That is really annoying when there's super attractive people who are in stand-up comedy, and I just want to go, why? Like, what created... They don't get accepted very easily. <laughs> they definitely... No, they are shunned. I, yeah. I think that's even that Colin Kane guy. I think he's kind of more of a good-looking dude, and I think that's probably... I think that was Dane Cook's problem. Like, if you have great abs and you're a stand-up comedian, I feel like other comedians aren't going to be well, as willing to support Dane you. Cook's problem, but also I feel like what put, pushed him to the top, because there was one of his specials where every joke he told, you'd just hear like, ah! <laughs> right, like, yeah, oh, okay. He's, like he's, a, he's the Beatles yeah. now. Yeah, um, I think I think it's also like people don't want comedians to be attractive because we're supposed to like represent the worst parts of being a human you know like we that's what we talk about (laughs) it's true like you know like i talk about like eating like crap and like not working out and all that stuff and that's what most people relate to or like we all think about it all the time you know and so yeah it doesn't it doesn't fit because normally the the voice of a comedian is hey i'm kind of a loser you know making fun of stuff it doesn't if you have like a great perfect teeth and chiseled abs and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't work as like a character for a comedian. Yeah, but I think you need to like acknowledge it too. Like I don't think I don't like it when when like an attractive girl gets up there. Nobody likes it when an attractive girl gets up and she's like, I like talks about how she can't get boys or whatever. Because you're like, no, obviously you can. Shut up. Don't say right. that. Right. You know? It is. It is. You go to an open mic and then, like you said, a good looking woman's like. Uh, I mean, just women in general who complain on stage about not being able to have sex. There's just a million, like, there's <laughs> just, in the there's just guys like, just like, you know, yeah. it's like I a have, hyena a, den just yeah. looking at a piece of meat. <laughs> I have a joke about that where it's just like, you know, like, I know, yeah, people always say, you know, you can, you can have sex anytime you want. And I'm like, I know that's true. I know half of you idiots here would fuck me. Like, I say that because I'm like, yeah, I know that. But right. it doesn't mean that it's the one I want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think I that's what it is. It, women need to clarify a good right. a good sexual partner or a decent sexual partner or someone that I won't feel shitty about yeah, yeah. Uh, afterwards. Um, I remember you had a really great... Um, I think it's I think it's one of your bits, or I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you were told on stage about you met a guy through the internet uh, doing internet dating, but this was like a while ago. I well, I don't know what's the. Do you know what the joke is? I I remember it was something about uh like it was it had something to do with like a sci-fi thing. Am I? Oh am I, God! <laughs> Want to talk about that. Oh wow, that was a good story. Uh, the Ford, the old guy that I did. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I don't want to. Yeah. Last time I did it, last time I did that bit, someone came up and they were like, "I know him," and I was like, "Oh no, uh. never mind. I don't want to talk about it anymore." I was 21. And I did this 42 year old. Whoa! <laughs> exactly uh, twice your age. Yeah, and, yeah. And I lived. I still lived in Salt Lake, and I flew out to LA to meet him. Whoa! How that now? That sounds. <laughs> That's I mean that's way out of like any kind of experience I've had. What's <laughs> yeah. What what was the reaction on that first date? Um well I mean I don't know if it was considered a date. You know, my uncle Tito picked me up from the airport <laughs> and drove me to his house because my family insisted that that was the only way I was going. So he picked me up and he was a cop also. Okay. Um, Drove me to his house and I was like please don't embarrass me. Please like I promise he's <laughs> a good guy. I know he is. And like I I know that sounds, I know it sounds insane that I did that, but I have very good instincts when it comes to people. And like, I've met a lot of guys from the internet. None of them have been crazy creeps. So I, I definitely can read someone very well, I think. So, um, I went out there and the, I was like, don't embarrass me. And he was like, all right, all right. And then like, he dropped, he like brought me to the guy's house and 
he comes up and he like, you know, I don't know, I say hi to the dude and uh, <laughs> and my uncle like starts to walk away and he turns back and he's like, just so you know, I can have a SWAT team here in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, then, uh, meanwhile, he's younger than the guy. Yeah, and then according, <laughs> according to him, a helicopter flew overhead at that moment. He like winked at it, which did not happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. I love that random embellishment that yeah, he throws in there. Uh, that's him for sure. So, um... I, gives the helicopter the thumbs up. Yeah, so I don't He's know. Cool. I just hung out with the guy for a weekend. Like, actually, we didn't even, like, do anything physically, really, so. Wow. You know, scared him straight. Yeah, I think he did, actually. <laughs> he was freaked out. Was which he? I'm happy about. I mean, obviously, it didn't work out, but was he a nice guy overall? He like, was, yeah. Did he, it turn out to be a good weekend? He was really nice. We had a lot of fun. He was, like, editing a movie. I just watched him edit. It was, you know. No, it was oh, pretty boring. normal. <laughs> I know. It was pretty. No, I'm you just, watched him edit. I'm just I'm just fascinated with that idea of a 21 year old Barbara Gray going to meet this 42 year old older man. I know. And your family helps you. I'm definitely like you know I've done some ridiculous things like that. That's probably pretty up there. But uh, that tops your list of crazy shit you've done. (laughs) I guess as far as I have a terrible memory, so I've probably done worse. But you know I've erased it. Yeah. Hey, it's a story. Now what? What's your take on? I know you've. You've dated comedians. What's the uh, what's it what's the difference between dating a comedian and a non comedian? Um, Goyim, as we call them, balls. No, okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they um. Well, it's hard because you know when you date a comedian, it's like they get it. That's right. The closest thing I would say is like they get the whole situation, and like especially when you have like a really close group of friends, which I have, it's like nicer sometimes to date within that circle because then you have to deal with like introducing someone into that group which is hard you know it's like a really people get really intimidated you know because it's like a lot of like very funny like intense people so um that's always hard and like i always end up dating these like weird dudes who like (laughs) on the outside of the circle being weirdos and i'm just like no i promise they're all right and then i realize they are weird and i'm like ah and then it ends you know now what do you when you say weirdo i mean i guess i would have an idea but what kind of what kind of characteristics in particular I just like socially weird, mostly like normal for the most part. Besides that, but then just like you get them in a social situation, they like can't talk. You can't leave them alone. You have to like babysit <laughs> them. And that's the worst. That is that is weird to even be so socially awkward. You can't fit in with a group of comedians. Right, that is that right. is socially awkward. Well, I think I was talking to a friend about it recently. She was saying like you know her and her husband like hang out with us all the time, and she was like you know it was like intimidating at first. Because everyone's always on or whatever. And I was like, you don't really... It's not that. It's just that that's how we talk because this is what we do all the time. So it's just how we interact. Like, we're not trying to, like... There are, you'll definitely find comedians, obviously, who are, like, trying, like, be on, like, be really, you know, intense all the time. But it's well, just plus, kind of who we are. And we're comfortable around each other, so it comes out more, you know. Yeah, like you guys said, it's like high school. It's like you guys know each other on yeah. kind of a deep level. And that's a lot of people... You guys have more friends than the average person. Yeah, so I think so. It's a big to that, it's community like, of people. Oh, I just met 20 people and I only remember one name. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little... T- I'm I always feel bad with corner. guys like that because it's like... That's why I have to like... Now it's like I have to wait a while before bringing them to like... <laughs> it's like something. almost instead of meeting the parents, it's like meeting <laughs> yes. the fellow comedians. Because it's like, first I want to like make sure that like we are on like a level that makes sense. But then it's like, okay, you're going to meet 50 people tonight and they're all going to be weird, you know. And, <laughs> and they're all going to be like my best friend. Yeah, exactly. Not know you at all. Exactly. So it's a... But I don't know. Dating comics is... um, I definitely... I, I <laughs> But I also learned that they're, for the most part, very insecure and uh, selfish, you know. So that doesn't really go well with <laughs> relationships so much. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I agree. There's Obviously, there's aspects that are great about it and then some stuff. You know, overall... The idea of dating a comedian, it's like there is a lot of uh, positives as far as like the other person getting it or getting the schedule or you're not having to explain stuff or apologize for having to hang out at like, oh, I got to go to this crap thing and then I got to pretend to like this person. Like they understand, they understand the game. Obviously, like your interactions are probably going to be great because you're both funny and, you know, having fun. So that's that's a big part of it. I, I know you're doing a, you're working on a, a a talk show, live talk show. I saw it. Yes. It was uh, it was very funny. My buddy Steve from back home said, um, he was like, I I felt like I didn't get a lot of the references, but the show was really funny. <laughs> 
Hey, that's a great. I mean, but that's that that's Steve. He's cover. not a. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of. Pu- he's like, I don't get stuff. So right, but, he's a high school coach. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> he's a high school gym teacher. Yeah, it's a lady to lady. It's a monthly talk show at the Little Modern Theater. So, now what what was the genesis of that? Um, it's actually it was really weird. We were I was standing outside of um of Holy Fuck the comedy show with some friends, and somebody randomly said. LTL. I have no idea. I can't remember. I was talking with Meryl Davis and some other people. Someone said LTL. I was like, oh, wait, I thought you meant lady to lady or something. We're like, oh, that should be a talk show. And then that was just, I was like, oh, that should be a talk show. And then um, I talked to uh, my co-hosts who were Tess Barker and Brandy Posey. And um, I don't know. We just decided to start doing it. So it's great. I mean, I really love it. Like, I have, you know, a lot of like weird random ideas. Like we have a guest chet every time which is really weird so now what a, is what is a guest chet he's a he's a a, a male comic that we come have come on and play our chef character but his name is chet he wears a a chef hat that says chet on it and uh he makes us something every time we kind of like mess with him and you know it's a fun weird thing it's so, a nice running gag to throw on the show yeah yeah it's a running gag and um it's a lot of fun and yeah we've gotten some fun guests and i don't know it's it's something different i'm really proud of it i love stand-up but it gets old you know i get sick of watching the same show every show is just 10 comics and like whatever and i was like okay i wanted to try it's a nice different. change of pace yeah all right let's see here we got a couple uh news clips i wanted to get to this was this is really hilarious i think i posted this on my facebook but um this is just great so this do you know who many um many ramirez is He's a, he's a baseball player. He's got dreadlocks. He was like a home run hitter for a uh-huh. long time. Okay. And he basically got kicked out of Major League Baseball, essentially, for failing steroid tests. He got a couple hundred game suspensions. But he ended up – now he's like trying to do a comeback. He's going to these minor league teams. Now, this is a um, this is a woman calls up the owner, and she's she's like, this is just some old lady going off about uh, Manny Ramirez. It's it's a pretty a pretty amazing voicemail. Hi, I'm I'm a viewer of television, and I noticed <laughs> so that's one of the that's one of the greatest voicemails of all time. If you're starting off, hello, I'm a viewer of television. This Manny Rodriguez has these long, long dreadlocks. I don't know how many river caps have that, but we we a lot of people out here don't feel these people should be able to have to play with this long hair. It flies in in the faces of um, of of, of uh, flies in the face of this country's founders. <laughs> First, second, third base when they're tagging them out, and it could hurt their eye, but it could really hurt them. But the thing is, they should not have <laughs> grandma concerns right there. Oh, I'm, co- I'm concerned about their eyes and being injured by other people's yeah. hair. Their outfits are going to get dirty. Good <laughs> <laughs> long hair. It's, it's, it's hilariously veiled racism, but. Long hair in sports. This it shouldn't. It's 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 it it interferes. It can hurt the eyes of the opposing players trying to tag them out. It looks horrible. It looks it doesn't look wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great when people people commenting on what's wholesome That's or not. So great. They should have to abide by the rules and. And then maybe they won't do these drugs either if they if they uh, have to act clean cut. Maybe they will be clean cut. And I'm a lady, and I'm not a fuddy duddy. <laughs> but put it this way: yeah, using the word "fuddy duddy" means, means you are a fuddy duddy. I just noticed, and, and they're they're all getting in trouble on steroids and and using cortisone for energy. That stuff causes cancer. That's why Lance Armstrong, the bike guy, got cancer. <laughs> so uh, we a lot of people we study this stuff. And, and I'm 69. Can you just imagine their tea party? 69 years old, and I'm not a fuddy-duddy, but I cannot see how this unwholesomeness is crossing America with these long hair, and then they do these drugs, and then, then it gets into uh, people start okaying abortion and gay marriage. It gets into a lot of stuff that is not according to the Bible or according to the American values. Well, she just let it all hang out at the end there. Is there anything about dreads in the Bible? I really yes, it was a lot. It was, I mean, doesn't she a, know the story of Samson, first of all? <laughs> doesn't she know the story of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Every picture <laughs> exactly. of Jesus is this long-haired guy. He was not pushing drugs. He was getting his hair into the eyes of his disciples all the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that was a, that was a real honor for the other disciples to have their hair. Yeah. Oh, I was I injured by it. was injured by Jesus Christ's hair. Oh, you must be the favorite. That is amazing. She's I love, great. Well, she had a lot of facts in there. She's a woman. She She's a viewer of television. A viewer of television. I love. What did she say? That like there are a lot of us who are researching this. There's a whole bunch <laughs> right. of us. I would love. Is that you and your bingo group are researching this? Oh, I would love. I would love to see her lab where she tied together cortisone <laughs> shots and Lance Armstrong getting cancer. Man, <laughs> that is a that's that's a stretch of all stretches. But <laughs> and I love just how committed she is to minor league baseball. You, you feel like that's. I'm just surprised to hear a 69 year old woman is a diehard minor league baseball fan. It sounds like she she's... Must, she doesn't have a lot else going on. <laughs> well, all her research, um... all her television. It seems viewing. like everything that she doesn't like just is somehow related in her mind. Long hair, drugs. That's how abortion. people like that are, though. With it, you know, it all—it's a snowball thing. Like yeah. they have one thing they don't like, and then all of a sudden it's like, and gay people and abortions. Also. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Well, that's the thing. I think they just start lumping more and yeah. more of the other stuff together. And that's a, that's another thing that I don't think people on the left realize that when they insult people on the right or when like someone on the right does something and then people react to it, like Bill Maher ripping people on the right or whatever, you, you think, I guess partly in their mind, it's like, Oh, look at, I'm, I'm taking these. This conservative person down a notch. Like when you, when you make fun of Sarah Palin, oh, I'm exposing her for the intellectual fraud that she is. This will help people realize that they should be more open-minded and vote liberal. But in fact, it, it's has a complete opposite effect where people are like, oh, look at these intellectuals in Los Angeles and New York who think they're better than us making fun of us. And it almost strengthens it uh, into the sense of like, oh, yeah, we do have a way of life and we do have. Yeah. And they're trying to, a- to fight against. And they do. Basically, they they justify the victim mentality that people have on the on who are conservative or they feel like the media attacks them. So I, in a way, it almost like it strengthens the conservative view. Well, that's like everything we've talked about, though, almost as well. Um, uh, when you talk about like bringing up something that maybe shouldn't have attention brought to it, everyone always has the argument with like, well, then just ignore it. If you right. ignore them, they'll go away. But nobody ever exactly. does that they don't want to say their two cents. So right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that was my stance when uh, you know. World War II. Early on, I was like, hey, I'm not going to stop. I'm not a fan of the Nazis, but I feel like if I cry out against the Nazis, then it's just going to get You're more publicity for the Nazis. Orders. Yeah. I mean, that's why people, a lot of people were like, why weren't people standing up more for lynching in the South? Because they were worried that if they mentioned it, it would get more popular. <laughs> no, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously at some point, you have to draw the line, but where do you draw that line? With your dreadlocks. <laughs> now, this is uh, from. This is actually a good uh, good transition from one line being crossed to another one. This is a, uh, a lifeguard uh, ended up losing his job. Tommy Lopez, a lifeguard, literally crossed the line in the sand, <laughs> stepping out of his lifeguard. T- I love when I love when newscasters find little jokes like that. They yeah. you can just I mean without seeing this, you could just know how how like ear to ear this guy's grinning when he's like, "Oh, <laughs> line in the sand, you did it again." It's gonna pop on that teleprompter. Hours, uh, jurisdiction to go save a life, and the real heroism, Josh, is that in making that decision to save a life, he knew he would get himself fired. Okay, so I think I accidentally stepped on uh, by talking. Wait, what over- happened? Basically, a lifeguard saw someone drowning, but it was outside of his lifeguard jurisdiction. It's right next. It's one beach, and then it's right next to this other beach. That's a private beach that. He's not allowed to lifeguard. Now, they saw someone drowning over on the private beach, and he went over there, saved the person on the private beach. It was a violation of the other lifeguard's policy, so he ended up getting fired. Wow. Which is (laughs) just the craziest... Fired and then hired by that rich person who was swimming that he saved? Like You're right. Well, and it's funny that they call him a hero. Well, the guy is a hero because he saved this other person's life, well, yeah. and, and it was awesome. But the, the, when the newscaster said the real act of heroism was knowing he would lose his job, I don't know. No, the real act of heroism <laughs> is him saving the guy's life. That's the heroic act. Yeah, I mean, being a lifeguard, like how long is that of a job? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, maybe one or two summers. It's, not, it's not like you're overthrowing your legal practice. 
practice. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a noble it's a noble profession, but yeah, it's not like you're taking your oncology office and just burning it to the ground. <laughs> no, you're a lifeguard who's losing an eight dollar an hour job, and God bless them. That is a, that's the other thing that I feel like. <laughs> I mean, from like TSA people to lifeguards to guys driving school buses, the people like in charge of the most important lives or in life set life threatening. Yeah, we they get paid the worst. Yeah. They get treated like shit. Crappy benefits. Oh, hey, the guys weeding out the terrorists. Let's not make it a college education job or the person. Yeah, the lifeguard. I mean, I guess they're in great shape physically, but that I feel like you don't make a ton of money being a lifeguard. No, bus school low. bus driver. You think like, oh, let's find someone really responsible. No, it's someone who could just pass a drug test and is looking to make a couple bucks. Yeah. Um. Well, I think the. Uh, so I want to know though, like as a lifeguard. Did he really think, like, did it stop him before he, like, got down? <laughs> He's, He's like, oh, wait a minute, I might lose my job. Of course not. He just went for it. I'm sure he Right. Did. Uh, yeah, I, he knew he would lose his job. <laughs> and now all the other lifeguards are banding together. And yeah. they had, uh, I didn't get the audio because it wasn't that great, but there was a dramatic, he was literally gave him, he, the other lifeguards are also resigning. This gentleman just gave him the shirt off his back and it said lifeguard and then he went in and, and got fired or like quit and then comes out shirtless. I was oh, like, really? Wow. This guy's just in great shape oh, and looking for a reason. Yes, exactly. Uh, did you hear now you've seen the movie Rudy, right? Oh, of course. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> um, Joe Montana was the actual quarterback at Notre Dame when Rudy went down, and he was on a sports talk show and was like, yeah, a lot of that was a movie. And people were getting all fired up, like, oh, you ruined Rudy. Because they were, he was just saying, like, uh, yeah, a lot of that was Hollywood. Like, they I'm didn't. Sure, that's not actually how it happened. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like Rudy's kind of a colossal dick. He just goes around. Well, that's his one claim to fame. <laughs> so now he just goes into yeah. diners and he's like, I'm oh, he, he's I'm a, the real Rudy. he's a motivational speaker. Oh, of course. So he makes he makes a good living at like conferences and stuff like that. And it, it sounds like he's kind of a dick. I, I don't know where Does he I'm... like tell people he's Sean Astin, but then he shows up <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm the real Rudy. Right? No, I'm much better than that movie star. I'm the actual Rudy. <laughs> yeah. And the, really though, that's got to be kind of a, a stigma. You don't almost want in a way because I feel like as much as it sounds great, you can never quit anything or half-ass anything for the rest of your life. Like even just hanging around, (laughs) the wife's like, oh, you're going to give up on the dishes, huh? Yeah, why didn't you give up on your dream of sacking that quarterback, you piece of crap husband? (laughs) You know, he he bats her around because he's probably a raging alcoholic. you never do anything great and you won't have any expectations to live up to? Well, that's that's what I've been uh, living off of. No, but the, the idea that if you brand yourself as a guy who gives 110%, they make a movie about you giving 110%, the idea is you never quit anything in your life. Now you can never quit anything for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or someone's going to look you in the eye and say, you've changed. And yes. shake their head. Oh, yeah, let's, say, let's say he joins a rec league basketball game. All of a sudden doesn't feel like coming out for one game. Like, oh, Rudy, you're a phony. You're a phony, Rudy. You're different, man. <laughs> Like we're gonna chant your name. What are you gonna do now? <laughs> yes, exactly. Have to do it. That that would be a great way he just to comes just out and flips everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great way to just get him to do anything like around the office. Like who's gonna take care of this project? I know the guy who loves working really hard at everything. Here you go, Rudy. It's like that motherfucker. Yeah, he just. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to take this garbage out? Rudy? Rudy. Yeah, he cannot Rudy. He, he cannot half-ass anything for the rest of his life. Yeah. By the way, my so. favorite part of that Joe Montana interview was when he said, like, yeah, they we were chanting Rudy, but it was more like a sarcastic joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> that was like uh, and when I played football, I got I had the nickname Mean Joe Green because I was a huge pussy. So it was there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in nicknames. I remember my – my football coach pulled me aside. He's like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> I was like, uh, I really like football. I gave like a Rudy answer. Like, I, I know I'm a small coach, but, you know, I'm just all about giving 110%, working hard. And, you know, my career was much like Rudy, but, uh, you know, not, there was no glorious movie made about it. It was a lot of me just carrying tackling dummies and not getting into the game. <laughs> I want to know where the real radio is the, uh, in the... Now what was his, what was his thing? He was the first. I didn't see that movie. It's not on TV. They're like Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> Wasn't he? What was he like the first black sailor or something? No, he was. No, he uh, was. A, it was. He was like a mentally challenged. It was like a football movie about. Oh, okay. About like. 
He was mentally challenged, but he got to be on the football team. Oh. Yeah. All I remember is the poster with people getting doing these like giant fake teeth. That was terrifying. There is always those uh, those weird stories like that. Or there was like a kid who had uh, autism and and like went on this crazy run draining three pointers. There's always some random sports story like that. Well, you time. have to have those. That's the inspirational. You know. Yeah, it gives you it gives like, you hope oh, out there. Oh God, if they can do it, I better be able <laughs> to do something. <laughs> I know the kid with autism can do it. I speaking of autism and sports, there was this kid who uh, that it was like uh, it was like two years ago, and he had he had picked the first two rounds of the NCA bracket exactly right, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, this is like crazy." He ended up the rest of it didn't really go well, but <laughs> to pick the first two brackets like exactly correct is pretty insane odds and then in the story though like it was a story about yeah he loves sports and he really pays attention it's all about you know people with disabilities overcoming and then later on the on the uh, in the article they go uh they pointed out that on the website <laughs> for some reason you're allowed to change your picks since they weren't actually playing for money or anything real it was just some like you know dumb right. site where it, I don't know, people pick sports games for fun, I guess, um, and not actual money. They had a, they threw in the editor's note of, but you are allowed to change your picks after the game happened. So they just like, it's like, wait, you can't throw this kid under the bus like that. So they, I don't know, who knows if the kid actually picked the things. He's probably like Rain Man, just obsessed with statistics and stuff like that. Hopefully. I knew a kid like Hopefully that. it's like that. That's what we all really autism to. We're like, yeah, Rain Man. Yeah. We, I get it. Well, I mean, if, that's why I hope I have an autistic kid, so I can make a run at a blackjack table. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See, now I'm going to be... Now you're going to get... Yeah, you're definitely... That woman's going to call you. Oh, and be yeah. like, I am a television viewer. <laughs> I am a podcast listener, and <laughs> I just I'm not a funny daddy, but... <laughs> but, you know, the idea of using autistic children for the purposes of gambling is not humorous. <laughs> I do not find it funny. Leads to long hair and unkempt <laughs> attitudes and general unwholesomeness. <laughs> Which leads to premarital sex and which leads to abortions and leads I mean, to Obama voters. That is right, though. All of <laughs> Obama right. voters. Well, I do feel like, hey, if you're going to grow long hair, you're kind of just saying fuck it to the world. And, you know, you might start smoking some grass. She is right. If you do have crazy long hair as a guy, I mean, besides Jesus Christ, if you do have long hair, for the most part, you are... A stoner, probably. Yeah, you're more likely... Th- there's not a high correlation of people who have dreadlocks and people... Who don't smoke weed. I feel like that's a pretty small... Yeah, that Venn diagram is not... <laughs> it's just one circle. Right. Even Especially the white guys who have dreadlocks. Black guys, I feel like maybe there's some that it's more of a legit fashion statement. But if you're grow, I mean, if you meet a white guy with dreadlocks who doesn't sell weed or smoke weed... There's something wrong. Yeah, there's something I'm... suspicious about that. No, there's some... He's a federal agent. <laughs> there's something much, much worse going on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's uh I'll, well, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little pop culture here. Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, getting oh, a divorce. Tom Barbara, no are you a uh, are you a tabloid person? You I mean, I you know, I see what's going on. You you're you have your finger just on the pulse. Of Twitter. I don't think I would actually know about most things without that. Without the use of Twitter or yeah. just people yeah, it I is. used to read like Perez Hilton and stuff like that, but I don't really anymore. Just yeah, you can just get your news from finding whatever hashtag is trending and it just is, go. It's true. Like, oh, something must see... be going on related to yeah, that. Yeah, like every time someone dies, you just like one tweet, and you're like, oh, okay, well there it is. It happened five seconds ago. Now I know about it. And the the annoying thing, and now I've been uh, I've been guilty of this as well, but it does stink for anyone who dies now because there'll be at least. Yeah, I mean, there'll be thousands and thousands of jokes, regardless of what you did. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, the guy who invented Silly Putty died. Oh, they're going right. to roll him up on a newspaper. But it needs to be respected. <laughs> well, I mean, even, uh, I mean, whatever kind of celebrity, even if you didn't have a troubled past, people like even um, Andy Grit or... Yeah, he died, yeah, right? Andy Recently, died, Andy yeah. Griffith died, and he had a respected career, seemed like a decent guy, still plenty of jokes about him. That's what I think a good sign is, if you don't see that many jokes, like, um, like I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan, and when Adam Yauk died, there was, like, no jokes. It was, yes. like, all people just being like, oh my god, I'm really sad, and just, like, rest in peace, so I was like, yeah, nobody's writing a joke about you for at least, like, an hour, <laughs> and that means that you did something right, so... <laughs> Felt like he got he got honored that way, but um yeah Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes I don't know I mean 
I think all this, the Scientology stuff is interesting to me. Like, I was reading a little bit about that, about, like, how she's, like, trying to get sole custody because she's afraid of the church, like, brainwashing your child and all that Yeah, but it, that is kind of, like, you saw this coming, right? It yeah, does seem... you had to know when you started. Right. Did you think all those rumors about Tom Cruise being a weird Scientologist weren't true? Well, I guess maybe she, you know, I mean, they had, maybe shouldn't know she's going to have a kid or, you know. Yeah, like, maybe they didn't realize. Yeah, I guess it seems like... He wants her education to be Scientology only, and she's yeah. – I think that's where she drew the line. But this uh, this news clip is just – I don't know. It's just great here. And, I mean, this is like CNN. It's just great to hear people commenting on it. What impact do you think this will have on his career at this point? Um, as someone who covered the Woody Allen case and has covered a lot of these <laughs> – Compared it to the Woody Allen case. No, he's just dropping some names. Oh, well, I've covered the Woody Allen case. Here's my so. credits. Liberty cases. Um, it's very hard for this to have a real negative impact. I think in some cases there'll be people who'll go to see this movie because they'll know it's the movie he was filming when he found out he was getting divorced from Katie Holmes. Uh, no, that's the crazy. That's that one of the crazy. That. That's one of the crazier things I've ever heard in my life uh, regarding slut. Why would you? Oh my God! If look, you had you can, a reality show, then yes, like that would be the episode everyone was tuning into, yeah. right? But and especially because <laughs> Tom Cruise. I mean, the, the stuff the he does. Yeah, I'm not what? doing some Mission Impossible 5 because I know he was filming one of the scenes after they broke what, up. They expect him to comment on it during the film? Like, he yeah. just looks to the camera? I was shell-shocked that Kate left me. I, I loved her. She was my world. I jumped on a couch for her. Can you believe it? I could tell he was sad. So, wait, are we going to blow this shit up or not? Yeah. <laughs> I, really I could tell he was did. sad when he was swinging from that building. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to comment about it live in the movie. The, what do you? What? I mean, he's never been like. Uh, I mean, that, him jumping on the couch is one of the only times I really can think about him talking about his personal life that much. It's not like I don't feel like he's ever out there on interviews very often. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's not going to be any personal reflection or anything. No, he's been. This is like his fourth marriage, right? I, I don't. Or I think he's been married or linked to people. There was some weird – somebody had a weird numbers thing where it was like all of the women he's divorced have been 34 when like they've been – Yeah, they were all divorced. Yeah. I think it was when they were 33. Yeah, 33. It was like, that's creepy. creepy. Yeah. Now and, he, like, and that's some big number in Scientology, I guess. But. Whoa. <laughs> so, They're uh, huge Larry Bird fans. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. That would be well, – I would start considering Scientology if a guy like <laughs> – Larry Bird got into it because Larry Bird is just like the most no nonsense dude from Indiana. He basically ended his basketball career paving his mom's driveway. <laughs> like he's he's just no nonsense. They could sell a guy like Larry Bird on it, then fine. I always think um, that because like L. Ron Hubbard, not like I ever read anything he wrote, but um, you know, like uh, oh god, my brain just stopped working. What is that um, sci-fi writer that just died? Uh, Ray Bradbury. I was like, if he started a religion, I'd be all about it, probably. He's awesome. So, I don't know. Maybe, you know. Yeah, maybe. maybe hey, next Scientology. Yeah, really, L. Ron Hubbard was just kind of like, was the ultimate, like, just had the best groupies. Because, you know, he didn't it start, to, I suppose, like, the rumor of Scientology is that it started just basically, he be, he was, like, drunk with friends, hanging out, and was like, I can start a religion. And people were like, no, you can't start a religion. Isn't that how they all start? I'm right, sure. exactly. They're they're either trying to impress chicks or... Yeah. I feel like mostly it's... He was it's, just, like, a more successful, like, Charles Manson or something. Just, yes. Well, it was... more people involved. It wasn't, like, as as devious i guess right. like it was yeah he created his he's a super successful cult leader that somehow got super powerful celebrities into his cult that's that's freaking I'm amazing sad. it is sad though when like a celebrity you like you know like i love will smith i'm like why don't yes that? come on what well, is yeah i always call him out because he's like he's like yeah i'm repping philly philly because he's all about like you know he'll wear like a really nice philly jersey he's like yeah philadelphia that's me i'm just a philly boy right that you can't be you can't rep philly and also rep scientology yeah, like those are yeah. two conflicting representations or whatever. Yeah. all right good times barbara um thank you very much for coming on the show where can uh where can people check you out thank you uh on twitter at babs gray g-r-a-y and my website is uh, myjokesareuphere.com. <laughs> oh, that's actually pretty catchy. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Logan, you <laughs> want to uh, wrap things up with Haiku? Let's do it. Long hair 
leads to drugs. To Mormons, Jews are ethnic. Pretty comics suck. Pretty profound, Logan. All right, quick, uh, just to remind you guys, I will be headlining in Philadelphia July 20th. So uh, make sure you go to SeanTGreen.com. You can get uh, hit the calendar section there. You can get tickets. I'll also be in Toronto doing a setlist show July 21st, uh, James Adomian. A bunch of other funny people there. So make sure you check that out and uh, appreciate all the support on the Amazon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Green Room. We do it every week here on SeanTGreen.com. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at, at Green Room Show. Damn it! Bye, folks. What do you see in her walk by in them tight jeans?